1: a part of this amazing community visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today that's podcasts with an s thank you for listening and thank you for your support
2: from kqed welcome back to forum i'm alexis madrigal i It's the latest COVID variant, and it has the world spooked. The World Health Organization warns that the global risk from the new variant, Omicron, is very high. It was first detected by South Africa's excellent surveillance infrastructure and has now been identified in more than a dozen countries. Joining us to talk about what we know so far about how contagious the variant is and how effective vaccines are likely to be against it. Is Kirsten Bibbins-Domingo. She's chair of the Department of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at UCSF. Welcome to the show, Dr. Bibbins-Domingo.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
2: So let's just start out with kind of the basics. Um, Why is this, why was this so quickly identified as a variant of concern? Um, And what do we know about the properties of this particular variant?
0: Sure. So as you pointed out in the intro, one of the things that was so important here is um, the outstanding surveillance that South African scientists, Botswanan scientists have been doing. Um, and uh, what happened on Thursday is they sounded the alarm. And there were probably two big pieces of data that led them to sa- to sound the alarm. One is uh, that they identified a variant of the coronavirus that has Uh, a, a strikingly large number of mutations in the spike protein. Remember the spike protein is what helps the, Um, Back the virus get into cells and it is also the target for our vaccines. So that was a cause of concern as well as the population data uh, in the region that suggested that this particular variant had really overtaken Delta, which we all know was a very Mm -hmm. transmissible variant. And those two together led them to ring the bell, sound the alarm, uh, to put all scientists and public health officials on alert to start looking for this, to start doing more studies to say we have to be worried. Let's look. It doesn't mean we know everything about it, but it means we have to start understanding the science of this variant more so that we can guide our public health responses.
2: Well, and sadly, it seems like also South Africa has been quite negatively affected by having made this sort of early declaration and the good science that they did to identify it in the first place.
0: Yeah, it's really unfortunate um, because everything that we know it, um, is that uh, it is because of the outstanding science that they're doing that they've given us all, the rest of the world, a head start uh, to figure this out. Unfortunately, um, the, the first consequences usually are to, um, uh, to both label this as a South Africa or an African variant, unfortunately, but then also the travel bans. And I think you'll hear a lot in the media about the travel bans and And they do may buy us a little bit of time, but um, we do worry that uh, it also penalizes the very uh, countries that might be doing the best job at telling us and giving us the advanced warning signals that there is a new variant out there.
2: So it seems, you know, the, the second, we've seen lots of different mutations um, in this virus. In fact, some that seem to have some immune evasion capabilities already um, out there in the world against which the vaccines might be less effective. But they kind of, Delta changed all of that in, because it was so transmissible, right, that it became dominant just about everywhere. So how, when will we know if the kind of early indications... That Omicron is outcompeting Delta in some places in the world will be a more global condition in the way that uh, occurred with Delta, where essentially it has, like say in the U.S., it's crowded out every other variant uh, out there.
0: Yeah, I think we we will know more um, in uh, many people are saying in the next two weeks, uh, uh, because we will know a little bit about whether the neutralizing antibodies are still effective against Omicron um, that that will help us to get a fuller picture. I think this science will emerge over two, three, four, five, it'll still take a number of weeks to piece all of the things that we need to know together. Is it more transmissible? Does it? Um, uh, is escape our our current uh, vaccine immunity? Does it escape natural immunity and allow for reinfection? Is it associated with more severe disease? All of those pieces are things that we need to know. And unfortunately, in this pandemic, we need varying strands of science to tell us not just what they do in the laboratory, but what we see in the populations. We're going to need them in different contexts. Some countries have lots of natural immunity. Some have lots of vaccine related immunity. And so it'll take a while for the full picture. to emerge, but I think we'll know more in the next two to three weeks about how we might have to alter our response. One of the most important things here, though, is, of course, the same tools in our toolbox, vaccines, boosters, masks as things are highly transmissible in a region, those are going to be still our first lines, even with this new variant. This is not a whole new virus. It's still an airborne coronavirus. And those lines of defenses will still be our first ones. The question just is how well they will work and will we have to do something in addition to those?
2: Well, and it's long been said about the, particularly the mRNA vaccines that they could be retooled quickly. Right. If we needed to roll out yet another booster, but this one patterned on Omicron instead of back on the sort of older school virus.
0: That's exactly right, and I think you heard over the weekend um, both uh, Moderna and Pfizer um, announcing that uh, that they would it would it would be 100 days to get a, a, a wholly new vaccine out there. I think there there are lots of variations on that theme. If it needs if it uh, ups the urgency for boosters, up the urgency for higher doses of boosters, or a whole new vi a, a, a vaccine uh, which might take about 100 days. I think um, all of that is exactly why 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 we want a head start on and why we want countries in Southern Africa to have alerted us so that we can uh, both have a head start of knowing whether we need to retool our vaccines and make sure that uh, we get them into as many people as possible.
2: We're talking about Omicron like everyone else in the world. It's a new variant of COVID-19 first found, uh, first identified in South Africa. We're talking with Kirsten Bibbins-Domingo. She's chair of the department of epidemiology and biostatistics at UCSF. What are your questions about this variant? And will news of it change your behavior or your holiday plans, even at this extremely early stage? You can give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or you can get in touch, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're at KQD Forum. Email your questions, forum at kqed.org. Um, Earlier, you mentioned, you know, we don't really know the impact that this variant will have on, you know, if it causes more severe or less severe illness. And a comment uh, listener, Viola, writes, sounds like the Omicron symptoms are different and less severe. I think we've actually heard that with almost every variant hasn't always turned out to be the case. I know this is not totally figured out yet, especially if it applies to all age groups, particularly as South Africa has a relatively young population. But if that is indeed the case. And it is so transmissible, maybe it can wipe out Delta, as Delta basically wiped out Alpha and Beta. Wouldn't that, then, wouldn't that then be best to let it run wild? Couldn't it be like the Spanish flu, where a milder, very transmissible third variant at the time, in the end, ended that pandemic? Could curbing it be the worst strategy?
0: Right. Uh, I think uh, your your listener has pointed out several pieces that are sort of intriguing and not yet well known about Omicron. Um, There are reports that that those were infected had milder symptoms, but it is also that the cases that have been reported are in younger people who tend to have milder symptoms with every variant that we've seen thus far. Um, So it's hard to know, to extrapolate from that to say that Omicron cause um, results in milder symptoms, because we really don't know whether um, those who might have other underlying uh, um, health conditions, older people um, would have those same sets of milder symptoms. We don't know. And that's part of the reason why when you're looking at these types of studies, you also have to understand these uh, uh, the impact of a new variant within the context of an entire population. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're going to have to try to understand now with a variety of different, both laboratory tools, as well as epidemiological and population tools. Um, I think understanding that is going to um, is going to help us understand whether we need to adapt in some other way. Uh, I think at this point, with all of our variants, um, it, Protecting us from infection is likely to still be the most important thing that we do. Um, Whether we can tolerate breakthrough infections or reinfections, I think, is likely to be the case as we live longer with coronavirus. But I think the idea that we let new variants just run amok um, without any way of preventing them, I think it's too early to, to know enough about this particular variant to say that that would be a reasonable strategy.
2: Uh, let's bring in uh, listener Guillermo. Hi, hey, Guillermo. Welcome back to the show from San Leandro.
1: Hey, thank you for taking my phone call. So my question is,
0: why is the reason that this bacteria, why is the coronavirus mutates so fast, so quickly? Like in, a, in the next four months, we will have another barrier. And what makes the coronavirus so changeable with that speed? compared yeah. to other bacteria that we have in the past or viruses that we oh,
2: have in the past. That's a great question. Uh, Kirsten Bibbins-Domingo?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's such a great question. It turns out we've been living with coronaviruses for, for quite some time. We know them to be uh, viruses that um, are highly transmissible. And as viruses circulating, um, mutations can develop over time. Um, it is one of the reasons why we actually do want to keep transmission lower because as long as the virus is circulating, any time it is replicating, it has a chance for a new mutation to be introduced. And then if by chance that new mutation results in a hardier virus, that virus can become more dominant. And what you're seeing here, the a, a big concern of course, is that um, while uh, we have had vaccines now for, almost a full year, um, we still have large swaths of our country not vaccinated and certainly large swaths of the world not vaccinated, including in in Africa. And uh, whenever there are uh, populations where transmission is high, in this case, in this environment now, usually in populations where um, we are not fully vaccinated, you just increase the chance that a mutation can develop And that that mutation can be allowed to increase uh, in frequency in the population, as appears to be the case here.
2: And I just wanted to note just uh, for context, right, that um, SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID, has not mutated, you know, world historically fast, right? I mean, it's in the same league as the flu, right?
0: Absolutely right. Absolutely right. We've been in this pandemic for, for two years. Um, we we haven't had an unlimited number of variants that have really uh, dominated the picture. Um, we do have good surveillance tools to track what's going on. But as long as there's transmission, as there has been, um, we are going to see some mutations develop. And some of those will render the virus uh, better able to uh, to be propagated in the population, and that's Maybe what we're seeing here
2: so it seemed to a lot of people that maybe delta was maybe not the maximum you know uh the the virus that had been uh selected to be sort of the maximum uh speed of of transmission but that at least it was getting up there that it was like a local maximum perhaps <laughs> um it seems now with omicron is it kind of this reminder that like maybe delta is probably not the ultimate in viral fitness versus our immune systems
0: Right. I think we need to know more. Um, I think I think it it was striking uh, to see so many mutations in the spike protein. I think when we see Um, this Omicron overtake Delta in parts of South Africa, we will have to tease out the difference between transmissibility, how efficiently the virus moves from one person to another person, and how well it moves in a population that has some level of immunity, whether it's just breaking through the immunity that's there. And I think um, without knowing more, um, it's hard to tease those two things apart, and I think that that's one piece of the puzzle that we're going to have to get more information about um, as as we do the studies and understand Omicron better.
2: So with Omicron, you know, with Delta, one of the things was, you know, the, the key change was in the transmissibility of the virus. But that then had all of these repercussions about everything else that we were doing in the pandemic. Do you like at this point, let's just say for, you know, it's uh, a little bit more transmissible or, or, you know, moderately more transmissible than Delta. Are there new things we then throw, you, you know, you, at this virus? I mean, you said we'd use the same tools in the toolbox. Maybe we'd, you know, retool either the vaccine um, regimen or even, you know, the, the vaccine itself are there other things we should be thinking about like what other if it turns out to be more transmissible what other variables is this changing for us in this pandemic?
0: Right. I mean I I do think it is it is the the use of the tools that we have, and uh, making sure that we are vigilant to understand when transmission um, is high enough in our region that we have to really double down and be more cautious. Uh, I, I do think that uh, we live in an environment where the complexity of uh, the corona, this pandemic, uh, now is um, is different in different local environments, depending on the level of natural immunity, depending on the level of vaccination. Uh, depending on the types of variant that has has infected uh, an an area. Um, And so I think um, for our Bay Area, for California, um, staying focused on using uh, the tools that we have, if you're not vaccinated, getting vaccinated, if you're not boosted, getting boosted, are going to be the most important things, working until to, to understand the new science to tell us whether we are going to need something different than those tools. And then what I really think we're going to have to focus on right now, particularly as we look to the winter holidays, is understanding um, we have clearly gotten over a hump From Delta, Um, But we're about to now start traveling and mingling and doing more together. And when is that transmission going to be at that level that we really have to start saying, um, if we're in a higher risk category, we're not going to engage in certain types of activities that we do need to double down a little bit more to ensure more people in the environment we're gathering in are, in fact, vaccinated. I think all of those things are going to be important because while the virus is being transmitted um, in high levels in a population, we will then be resorting to tools like the masking and and making sure that we're not gathering in high-risk spaces together to make sure that transmission is
2: under control. Yeah, you know, um, we have got a caller, Jesse, from Fremont, but we don't have that much time, so I'm just going to pose it pose his question as a question, which is, you know, viruses compete against each other. What, what do we mean when we say that viruses compete against each other?
0: Right. Um, what it means is that um, you know we're all being tested right now or people around us are being tested right now, and so the scientists are looking at um, what are uh, the viruses in the PCR that is being used in a particular population what variant, what version of the coronavirus are we seeing? And what we knew is that, um, you know, at the beginning of the summer, we weren't, we were seeing one type of variant. And by the end of the summer, we mostly saw Delta. So that meant Delta was out competing the other virus, it was being transmitted so efficiently, that every new case of, of COVID was a case that had delta as its source what the south african scientists are seeing is that in their region uh, they had been seeing a lot of delta and now when they were looking at the specific sub variants in their region many more of the cases most of the cases were actually this new variant omicron that's what it means to outcompete. if you're particularly efficient either at causing breakthrough infections or just moving efficiently one person to another, that virus will then become the dominant virus you see when you do testing.
2: Thank you so much for that question, Jesse. And also for that answer, Kirsten Bibbins Domingo. I mean, that is the big question about this, right? Is can it outcompete Delta uh, in the in the broader world? Really, Exactly it.
0: right. But we have the tools. So I hope everyone stays safe over the holidays now.
2: Thank you so much. That's Kirsten Bibbins-Domingo, chair of the Department of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at UCSF. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned ahead for another hour of Forum. You've got guest host Marisa Lagos.